Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. This is episode 216, and this episode is going to be focused on how to get unstuck from a career rut or when you're just not sure how to navigate career uncertainty and aligning your work with the rest of your values and the life that you really want. Now, speaking of uncertainty, I think we're all navigating a bit of uncertainty right now. So if you find yourself anxious, confused, not sure what's next, or struggling to find work that actually aligns with what you want, today's episode and today's special guest, Helen Hannison, is for you. But before we dive in, I want to make sure you saw that we have hosted over the past few weeks a series of special online panels to help us all navigate uncertainty together right now. And even if you missed the live events, you can still watch the replays on our blog, bossedup.org slash blog, including our panel on how the current events might be impacting your job search or how to manage your relationships in close quarters right now, or how to manage stress and anxiety or a remote team in the midst of this crisis. And also one of our favorites, the very first panel we hosted, was all about how to work from home without losing work-life balance. We've got that. We've got managing your money in times of crisis. So many great resources, all made free, all available now for replay at bossedup.org slash blog. You can also check out today's show notes where I'll drop direct links to all of these for your viewing pleasure. Here at Bossed Up, we want to help you craft a happy, healthy, and sustainable career path. And right now, that means focusing on your career resiliency. So on that note, while you are focused on skill building during this uncertain time and thinking proactively about moving ahead in your career, I want to invite you to a series of online trainings that I'm hosting for free, backed by popular demand all about what women managers need to lead. We're breaking down the difference between great management and great leadership and focusing explicitly on what women managers or first-time managers or aspiring managers really need to hone in order to propel their careers forward. If you'd like to join me, head to bossedup.org slash women lead to learn more about when the upcoming online trainings are happening and which one works best for your schedule. You can register there for free. It is a fabulous event and it's something I just started offering a couple months ago, but have been bringing back again and again because it's just so popular. So they're going really well. I'm really excited to chat more about cultivating your leadership 
even and including, and maybe even especially during times of uncertainty. So on that note, let's jump into today's interview with Helen Hannison. She's an executive coach blending her background in psychology with her first career operating at a board level at some of the world's largest PR companies. Today, Helen, who's based in the UK, helps professionals who feel stuck at a career crossroads to make a plan realigning work they love with the life they wish they were leading. And then act on it. Helen, welcome to the Bossed Up podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's good to be here. Delighted to be speaking with a friend across the pond, I think in this moment, especially coming together virtually when we can't come together in person, including across continents, is a good reminder that we are all in this moment together. So you're tuning in from just outside of London. Tell us a little bit about how you got into this work in the UK in particular, but in career coaching and executive coaching. Yeah, sure. Actually, a story of career to motherhood and back again from me. Coaching really fell out of a psychology degree that I did as a very mature, mature student a few years ago, my second degree. And I went into it not quite knowing what orbit I wanted to be working in, but came out incredibly clear that the the world of positive psychology and really helping Mm. other people sort of move through the career crossroads that I had been on and struggled for for so long and had some lost years, as I call them now, to, to really work out that that was my new route but support people without that sort of pain or without without their version of the lost years to get to their professional pivot, whatever that may be. And, and that's how I decided to do some quite rigorous retraining after the mm. degree and move into executive coaching. And I've never looked back since. It's really incredibly rewarding and meaningful is the word I'm sort of searching around for to, to help other people realign work that they love with, you know, what, what's the most important to them. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I, I'd love to learn a little bit more about those last years too, because I think a lot of our listeners might find comfort in hearing from you more about that because they might be there right now. And it sounds like for you, you had this entire career prior to executive coaching that included international travel. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. I think you're right. This is likely to resonate with with a lot of people. And I think in coaching, we're probably at our most powerful when we are helping people where we've already been. So I think you're spot on. I think for me, it's what I call now a success trap. I had reached board level at some of the world's largest public relations firms. And I absolutely loved what I did as a committed careerist in that career building chapter. But what I found Mm. once I had become a mother was that all that focus and energy and prioritization sort of moved. (laughs) It sort of just moved from my career Mm -hmm. to my little one and then two. (laughs) So it was a really conflicting time. And I think what I see a lot of people grappling with, women in particular, is, is the identity threat that that brings up for them, real identity conflict, because both priorities are the most important. We are throw ourselves into those careers. We're told we can have it all. And then right. when we realize that, yes, we can, but it does come at a cost, 
but no one mentioned maybe. And, you know, we, we sort of expect more of ourselves. We expect ourselves to be okay with it. But actually, it brings up different things and everyone draws a line in a different place. But it it isn't easy to square. And now I understand the turmoil of that psychology going on. What I know is one area of life, one of those priorities will in the end be dropped in order to bring everything back into what feels like synergy. And the problem is that the most important priority isn't always the one that we end up spending the most amount of our week doing. Because needs must and money dictates and that is what makes our world go round. But but then the conflict isn't resolved in a satisfactory way. And Years later, that's why people come to me and and really still grapple with, oh, this is untenable. I seem to be struck the wrong side of a transition I need to thrive, and I don't know what next, let alone how to get there. And so, yeah, that's what I now help people with. I think that's so important. And it's just a good reminder that your priorities shift throughout life from family to career or just within the career priorities that they can shift. I see a lot of women in our community coming to us for the same frustration. We find ourselves achieving what we've been wanting to achieve for so long and then realizing it doesn't quite scratch the itch right? or it no longer aligns. Yeah with their priorities. Yeah. That can result in feeling confused, feeling guilty, feeling like what's wrong with me? Why can't I just be grateful for what I have? I sometimes call this like standing in the shame shower <laughs> where you just right. feel bad for feeling sad. Um, and and I, I also think it, it can manifest in the form of feeling truly and, and completely stuck. Do you find that folks come to you with that same frustration? Oh, completely. And it's often one of the first questions. Do you feel trapped in the career you always wanted? <laughs> it's, um, right. it's incredibly common. And it's, as I say, rationally, we find it hard to have a word with ourselves because it makes no sense. But emotionally, we know that actually there's a sort of whispering in our shoulder that's getting louder and louder and louder. So we, in the end, have to listen to that. And that's when I find people tip into coaching, when they know they've been circling in this orbit and they've tried a bunch of stuff. Maybe they've tried situational change, expecting that to make a difference only to find it's more like a reset button than much else. And, you know, really, I'm a bit of a disbeliever. I, I sort of go around busting the myth of work-life balance because I think people kind of think that's going to be the solution just to work less hours or more flexibly somehow. Yeah. Only to realize that that resolves some day-to-day -day issues, sure, but what it doesn't do is give that sort of infusion of meaningfulness. And I prefer to guide clients to career life synergy rather than balance, which which is a bit transactional and about time. So that we, we get to the content of what really matters. And that's why the disconnect happens in the first place. We've lost touch with that. Mm. So what are some of the first steps folks can take to get back in touch? If they feel stuck, if they feel lost, if they're not sure what's next, what are some of the first steps that you recommend? Yeah, I do think there's probably a five-step program I tend to talk people through if this is the particular mm. crossroads they've come with. And the first one is about accepting where you are today and mm. not starting from where you should be or even where you used to be. And after that, it's about really helping people unpack the problem. Is it a problem that you can beat if it's 
bigger than you, it's not a real problem. So if people are coming to me and saying, well, I've always wanted to be creative and I love, I don't know, doodling in my sketchbook, but you can't monetize that. So that, that's not a real problem that artists should be more valued in the, in the world. It's got to be something much more tangible. It's got to have teeth. So that's a really important reframe. And it often has to be done again and again until the problem is actionable. And at that point, we can really start to sort of dig into what the solutions are. So if I give you an example of a, a client a while back who was in the medical field um, and she really felt that she shouldn't have to face life and death decisions in her role, but she was stuck having to accrue experience in certain departments. And unfortunately, she did have to enforce herself to be in this environment where that was her day-to-day for about a six-month stretch, so quite protracted. And I had so much sympathy for her, but... Mm. The fact is she had to do that if she wanted the qualification to move into the area that, that came next. So it wasn't a problem we could we could fix. It, it wasn't possible. So, you know, it, instead, what we needed to do was work out a different what next that didn't involve that being part of her future chapter. And so she was able to move away from the high stress context and instead identified the area of work she was passionate about was research. But she stayed in that area of mums struggling for career comebacks and looking after their family and their young people. And she went into sort of the clinical side of things with paediatrics. And, and that was an absolute rescue, but a reasonably manageable pivot. So it's just one example of how the problem has to be actionable or else we get stuck in a loop talking about the negatives. But what we don't do is move into positive energy where we can actually make change happen. It almost sounds like you're saying when we see systemic injustice at play, you know, we have to stay focused on our own individual situation, which is really hard. But I, I, I think I hear the point, which is, you can't do anything about global injustice right now. So what can we do about you? You know, how can we reframe this positively to think through your specific challenge and turn it into a problem that we can actually tackle for you? Is that what you're saying? You're spot on. That is exactly what I'm saying. I think the only sidebar I would add is that if we're looking at creating congruence, real career life Mm. synergy between what you do and what matters to you, your absolute core, then sometimes the clue is is in that problem. Um, Mm. There are equally people who have become quite sort of mission driven, if you like, about the struggle that they have encountered in their careers and want to move forwards and help others through that, navigating through that more smoothly. And I suppose it's much as I have done myself. I was going to say, yeah, that sounds like you. Yeah. Yeah. And so often that is in there, but it's all about assessing your career life picture without the sort of emotional load that is, Mm. you know, we can't really help having when it's us in deep. And that is probably one of the biggest value of having a a good coach is that there is this ability to sort of hold the mirror up to you and reflect back 
so that you can see for yourself the value of what you're saying, what you should be able to do with what you're saying. And that's about getting you into action rather than dwelling on it for its own sake. As opposed to being overcome or overwhelmed by the vastness of a larger problem, like staying focused on you and, and moving forward. Yeah. For the listeners who are not necessarily familiar with positive psychology, can you give us just a primer on what positive psychology is really all about? Yeah, I think it's incredibly misunderstood, actually. It's mm. really interesting. Positive psychology, without going into huge amounts of detail, started an, a sort of a bunch of years ago when quite rightly, Dr. Martin Seligman came along and said, actually, psychology is about more than psychopathology. It's more about all the problems, all the diseases, all the mental deficits, all the things that can go wrong with the brain. And it is mm. also about our mental well-being. And started to look, started a whole movement, really, that looked into what keeps us in positive energy? How do we feel more gratitude and feel happier, in other words, more content as we move through life? How do we grapple with things that get us down? I think the way that that has been interpreted, it was so magnetic, I think, for the world to, to sort of hear this stuff, is that what they've heard is that so-called negative emotions are to be avoided. And I really, really disagree with that. And, and that isn't what the movement ever meant. I think it's more about if you feel anxiety, then recognize that is your personal signpost flashing in neon that something needs your attention. And you can dial down that anxiety by paying attention to it. So it, it isn't always about let's force ourselves to feel grateful. But why would you feel grateful if you've just been made redundant in the middle of this crisis where none of us can sort of just zip out and get a, a replacement income? You would actually expect yourself to feel something different. But and that's okay. Be, be with what is. Don't try and fight that. A lot of the second wave positive psychology, as it's known, is about correcting those misunderstandings and misperceptions. Do be with what is, even when it's negative. It's part of mm. what helps you get back into action and find your equilibrium again by paying attention over there. Mm. It sounds like mindfulness too, right? Just the, the being aware of your feelings without judgment. Much easier said than done. <laughs> <laughs> it, it totally is. But yeah, it is a lot about savoring, mindfulness. Yeah, and acceptance, actually, that, you know, rather than try yeah. and squash some of the more negative feelings, then to understand that life is a bit more like swimming lengths in a pool. Sometimes you do need that hard stop to push off again. And that's okay, yeah. too. I love that visual. What a great metaphor. So we're all facing a bit of a hard stop, especially my job seekers who finding a job already is a pretty anxiety inducing situation. Now with the backdrop of a global pandemic, it adds a new wrinkle of anxiety to many job seekers. What would you advise folks who are on the job hunt or considering a career transition to do during this time of uncertainty? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, my heart goes out to them. It's a tough time generally, in you know, to keep a right. handle on anxieties. And it's hard with the media doing, um, you know, doing what it does best, <laughs> sort of, mm -hmm. you know, ha you know, really giving a surround sound on this. 
But what I would also say, and certainly the support that um, I'm giving my own audience, is if we can be intentional with this time, whether we're thrust onto this particular crossroads out of our choice or not, it's actually a window of opportunity here in a few ways. And for people who are looking for a professional pivot or maybe an elevation, what I would say is... It's not necessary that every connect you've had isn't working and it may be they're not recruiting right now, but they're sitting at home, strumming their fingers, doing the stuff they normally do. And they what we do know about this very, very strange time we're all in is that it won't last. We don't know how long temporary right. means right now, but we do know right. it's not our new normal. So I think keep that in perspective. And it's a fantastic time to reach out to people and connect in, in various online places, maybe, or that you're trying to relationship build with and check in. That's a big part of being your own recruiter is that relationship building ethos, rather than just apply, apply, apply. And I would encourage people to look at LinkedIn to sort of build their network, to comment on other people's pieces in sectors that they they would like to sort of be noticed and be seen, um, and certainly mm. to make connects um, or with lukewarm connects or old connects, dormant connects even to to check in and say, you know, it's a strange time we're in. I just wanted to to see how you're doing over there and, and what's going yeah. on for you. And you might just be surprised what opportunities come from that. And to those who have entrepreneurial yearnings, I would say, I don't think you could have a better time if you can think of an online offering that converts, not in a nasty way that capitalizes on this oddness that we're, we're living every day, but in a positive way. What is it that we're so disrupted right now? How does the how do the commercial offerings that are out there also need to be disruptive? What could you do? Um, and one of the things I'm involved in here, just to give an example, is there's a whole collaboration of coaches who are gathering together and donating just four hours a week to support NHS staff and our healthcare system here, as we're expecting they're going to be overwhelmed and for quite a protracted amount of time. And you know, we're offering that on a complementary basis, but it just made me think, wow, if other sectors could think of something that we all still need, but we need it delivered right. online, there would be so many opportunities to very easily actually just, just try, just explore, go in with a discoverer's mindset and launch thing in a small way maybe and and see how that works i think there's opportunity in this oddness if if we sort of can just take a beat and you know give ourselves a chance to think creatively along those lines and i think the foundations of entrepreneurship apply here in terms of find a way to be helpful to people right now right yeah. like that's it, really what what entre an entrepreneurial mindset can can offer you right now. And I'll be honest here at Boss Stop, everything we had planned for two months has been totally canceled. And so we've pivoted and said, how can we be of service to our community right now, either for free or, you know, in creating new offerings? It is, I think, incumbent upon all of us to really be creative and also responsive to the changing needs of the market, whether it's a career pivoter who's freaking out 
my job search coaching clients who are freaking out or just a need for community building virtually in the age of social isolation. So that's definitely what we've been trying to do here. Yeah, which which sounds just so on point, doesn't it? Is how can you add value and come from a place of generosity? But right. you know, any any offering has to be solving a problem that the market wants, you know, has an appetite for. And I think it's in that sense no different. It's just there's more of us with a lot of time on our hands <laughs> sort of who could who could jump into that space. Yeah. And a different kind of an appetite, you know, and and we don't want to be fear mongering, of course, but we do want to be finding new ways to be helpful and, and be, be generous. I I am encouraged by how much people are coming together online in the face of not being able to come together in person and just finding ways in your own community to support one another. So, so key, but what, what about the folks who, want to find a way to be a value to their next employer, (laughs) you know, when it comes to getting out there and really starting to network in the age of disruption that we find ourselves in right now, you've mentioned a few ways that we can start to reignite old connections and comment and, and connect with folks on LinkedIn. What other strategies might you recommend for a career person or a career changer who feels like they're not sure where to begin, they're stuck, they're feeling insecure. Yeah, it's so interesting. As soon as you're talking about how do we, you know, what advice would we give to someone who's stuck? I I just jump into the language of it's time to create your career compass. And Mm. for me, that's, it's about naming your career quest in a funny way. And that's how you shape your career congruence. In other words, it connects who you are, what matters most and what you do. And it needs two things. One is sort of a lot of awareness about your work view and another about, you know, what matters to you in life more generally than that. And that's where the career life synergy comes into things. But if I just explain, if you just spend, you know, even half an hour just noting your thoughts on why work, what is work about for you? What does it mean? What defines worthwhile work for you personally? What does money have to do with that? And where do growth mm. and fulfillment come into it? Just really collect a stream of consciousness about your work view and then do the same again another day on what about your life purpose? And there, there are all kinds of very powerful tools to do this in more depth when I'm working with people. But really, if you're on your own with half an hour and a blank piece of paper, you could just capture where do your relationships and your family and your country all fit in your community? What's what's the role of happiness for you? And what about some of those other emotions, fear and anger, sadness? What are your strengths and competences? And what are your values, those sort of inner drivers that you just cannot not have in life? And once you've got all that awareness up, you can consider where those two different views have synergy with each other and also be honest about where they're conflicting with one another. Maybe one drives the other. Maybe it becomes clear mm. how the motivator is is sort of unbalanced. It's in the wrong spot, but is driving powerfully anyway. It's very hard for me to talk about until I, I'm either talking to someone or, or, or can see what they've come up with. But, but it will become obvious to them as they mm. do it. And it's capturing that analysis as well for themselves. And I think 
there, they've got their compass. Yeah, I've got a question about that analysis because at our workshops, I find that some folks really love written reflection and whether it's journaling or morning pages or just filling out worksheets as part of our, our workshops, they find clarity through self-reflection. And then I have folks who just stare at the page and are just so <laughs> stuck until I get them up, get them talking with someone else. And it doesn't really split along the extrovert introvert line per se, but for someone who would be challenged to reflect on their own, how would you recommend, like whether they're shopping for a coach or looking for mentorship or, or a friend, how could they do that kind of an exercise in the company of others if doing it on their own is just a non-starter? Yeah, I mean, completely. Everyone has their own approach. It's one of the reasons I love one-to-one coaching because it can be completely bespoke. But if you're on your own and you you want to apply these learnings to yourself and you know writing things down isn't going to do it for you, then I think you've just sort of said the answer. Recruit maybe two, maybe three, even one other and say, hey, we've all got time. Let's do this in a structured way. Set it up as a, as a call on FaceTime or Zoom or something and really dig into it like a little sequence, like a, you know, you could do this like a three-day thing where one day you sort of interview one another, if you like, with these key questions that you've come up with. But it's the articulation of it that I think will really help. And actually, if you think about a lot of coaching skill is about, as I said before, reflecting back what you've just heard someone say so they can see it for themselves. And actually, we can all do that for each other. You, You simply say at the end, let me recap for you what I'm hearing. And then you summarize mm-hmm. what they've said and literally recycle their words. You're not plagiarizing. Mm. You're helping them see, illuminating for them what they heard, what they said. And if you go through that in a series, then actually it's a, it's a little bit of a project. So you could do start where you are and then you could go into the work view and life view to get your career compass. And from mm. there you could start to get into ideation, really. What would the work you love look like? And if you still don't know that, don't worry. What would it feel like? What would it give you emotionally? You can get through a lot of this process of getting unstuck in collaboration with others or if on your own feels like too too much heavy lifting. Absolutely. I think that's a good, good reminder. You don't need to go this alone. You don't get there any faster by going it alone. And At what point do you think it makes sense for folks to reach out to a professional career coach like you or or an executive coach? And, And what does it look like to work with you? Sure. I think it makes sense to reach out as soon as you're curious. It doesn't mean you will jump in that day. Maybe you will get to know someone. In my case, I write articles and there is, you know, I'm often told there is a sense of getting to know me through those or this kind of thing. Indeed, you know, there are ways to feel like your relationship building from a safe distance, if you like, (laughs) sort of. And that's fair enough. And I think that's worth that's worth doing. Equally, a lot of good coaches would offer, I call mine, complimentary clarity conversations. And it's just an hour's conversation with someone to help assess what they're stuck with and what they wish their vision would be and how coaching 
could help. And there's sort of a menu of options to to talk about if they feel they want to. But my personally, my strong intention from those calls is that somebody comes away with more clarity than they came into the call, regardless of whether we're going to work together. And one small step to get themselves into action if it's not the right mm. time right now. So that's what I would say. I think the big question for me, if you could answer that you know, you, you're feeling stuck. You know you've been trying some stuff. You've made some changes maybe already. And you're still circling with the same sort of itch that, you know, is getting, you know, is getting bigger for you. Then, then you know it's time to lean into some support and put help in place. I think people know when they've come to that point, actually. And it's the right tipping point, which is massively important for coaching to have an impact is, is that readiness to commit. Totally. I cannot agree more. Well, Helen, thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise with our listeners today. Where can folks learn more about you and the programs that you're currently running? Sure. They should find me at helenhannison.com. They will see some of the articles on my blog if they want to read those. That actually is a framework for some of the things we've been talking about today. I am more than happy to send people, but they'll see on my contact page if they just say bossed up would like the framework or, or something, you know, or clarity call, or indeed I'm, I'm starting to run a co-active group coaching online, um, really, because I'm, I'm being asked by my audience for, for something along these lines. And it's quite a unique opportunity to mix this kind of interaction with some of the tools that I use so often in my one-to-one coaching and be with a little cohort going through those same stages together. So that's coming up next month. So there's just about another week or so to enroll for that. But again, you'll find that on my website or you can just ask me and I'll, if you want all three options, I can, I can then send you the right links and so on to make that happen. Awesome. Thank you so much. I will definitely include links to your website in our show notes today. And I just so appreciate being connected with you, Helen. Thanks again. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been been lovely to speak to you. I've been long since a fan of Up, so it's been great. <laughs> awesome. To learn more, head to helenhannison.com or check out today's show notes for links to all the relevant references and resources mentioned at bossstep.org slash episode 216. Now it's time for this week's Boss Move of the Week. Today's comes in from Ashley in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook, which is the best place on Facebook, which has been said by many, many folks. Feel free to join us there by clicking on the link in today's show notes as well. And here's what she writes. A happy little update in the mix of the madness. I moved to D.C. for a contract role only to be working from home two days later. Putting all that aside, I love my new boss. After being in an emotionally abusive relationship with my last manager and not having particularly good managers before that, plus a lot of years of working for myself, I'm finally working for an amazing, kind, funny leader. I actually bought a thank you card to give her after my third day on the job because I could already tell that I'd want to thank her for everything when this is all over. 
I'm trying to adjust to a new reality of working for someone who believes in me, thinks my opinions are valid, and who endlessly highlights the work that I do. I feel like I've paid my dues for this my entire life. Congratulations, Ashley. I'm so happy to hear this. Thank you for sharing in the Bossed Up Courage community. This is such a wonderful boss move in the midst of the madness right now. And I have to admit, I'm always shocked hearing about some of the terrible management and terrible bosses that folks have to deal with. So I am so happy to hear that you finally found your way to a manager who sees you for all that you're worth and values you and encourages you. That's what all of us should be doing not only for ourselves, but for one another. It's better for ourselves. It's better for our teams. It's better for our organizations writ large. So as I mentioned at the top, if you're interested in improving your management and leadership skills this year, join me for our free online training, What Women Managers Need to Lead, coming up soon. Head to bossstep.org slash women lead to learn more. All right, boss. Now I want to hear from you. Weigh in in the comments section in today's corresponding blog post at bossstep.org slash episode 216, or tag us online as you listen. What came up for you throughout today's conversation? How are you navigating career clarity or making that career compass? What advice that Helen shared can you apply to your career trajectory right now? And how can we continue to support you? I want to hear from you. Tag me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever at Emily Aries or at Bossed Up Org. And until next time, let's keep Boston in pursuit of our purpose and together we'll lift as we climb. 